It is the Lover and the Fighter podcast, and I would be Brother Love, and that would be Dean Thomas, Josh Cohen, and the aforementioned. Episode 3, who'd have thought we'd made it this far? I would have never expected to make it this far. And here we are. You have been a busy man, young man. Last week, fight night, Rodriguez Waterson, you did the pre-show, you did the post-show, you did the in-fight analysis, and you go back this weekend to Houston, and you do it all over for 262. Yeah, well, sort of. I'm, I'm doing looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the weigh-in show, right. and then I'm doing pre-fight analysis, or in-fight analysis. So you'll be busy, but just in different ways. Yeah, in different ways. You have so many different projects, it's hard to keep track sometimes. I, I love it. That's how, I lo- that's how I've always wanted to live my life. Busy? And the, I want to go from the projects to doing projects. <laughs> Did you just come up with that now? Just came up with that right now. Work with it. Let's get yeah. started. Anthony Rumble Johnson, breaking news. As you are well aware, you four so even more than I was. Uh, last Friday night, Bellator, it wasn't the fight we wanted to see. It wasn't Yoel Romero, but he did find a way to escape and then to win via TKO. First of all, what's the breaking news, Dean Thomas? Breaking news, Anthony Rumble Johnson arrested and charged with identity theft following debut win in Bellator MMA. Do we have any details on uh, that? Basically, the details was he's charged with stealing a credit card and buying an airline ticket with it. <sighs> That's a really bad idea. That's a really bad idea. Especially <laughs> because it involves an airline ticket that you have to have identification that yes. matches the purchaser, like there, you generally couldn't have, You couldn't have done anything like worse. That's not a great idea. Yeah. All right, so let's. All right, so he's got his own legal problems yeah. now, but let's get back to the fight itself. From what you saw, he was in trouble. He got dazed. He got knocked down. He said he didn't. Then he looked at the replay and he goes, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, oh, I shit, mean. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, that's normally what happens when you get knocked down. Like, right. you don't really realize that you get hurt and he got hurt. But, I mean, it was it was classic Anthony Rumble Johnson. Like, he's in a, in a tough fight and he comes back and he just knocks knocks people out. And, like, he showed that he still has power. He showed that he's still a threat. He's still a danger. And uh, we can expect him to probably go on to win the whole thing now, I think. Really? I think so. Based I mean, on that performance well, alone? But, well, I mean, he, he needed to get his feet wet. So, like, you know, there's some ring rust there. But I think he got he got that win out of the way. And I think that we can probably see a better version of him. Conditioning. Uh, issue for you from what you saw on Friday night in Bellator? Well, not necessarily. Again, like, that's his first fight back in a while. So, mm-hmm. you got to imagine that the nerves were a little higher. So, ex- anxiety levels were up a little bit. So, like, he's going to be a little nervous and a little tired looking at least. Yeah. So, but I don't think I don't think he looked bad. I think that you know I think it's actually a good comeback fight for him to go through adversity to show that he still wanted to fight because most guys that don't want to fight you get clipped and you're ready to get out of there. So yeah. I think that the fact that he was able to come back from that and still get the knockout win shows that he's ready to fight again. He received instructions from the referee who said fight back, fight back, show me something. If you remember, mm-hmm. that was close to getting called. He yeah. was close to getting called a loser by TKO and flipped it around and got that win. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean that was that was a good. Good comeback for him. He's showing adversity. And the guy he fought was no slouch. I mean, the, the, you know, he trains with the Pitbull brothers. And they mm-hmm. said that he was they said that he was actually better, better striker than, than Johnson. So, you know, they you know, he didn't he didn't go in there and they didn't give him a scrub. And that's a good thing that they didn't give him a, a layup. All right, fair enough. Round number two. Saturday night, Cowboy Cerrone with six million four hundred and twenty seven fights in the UFC. <laughs> and some wonder, was that or should that have been his last? First round, TKO. 4-4, 20 seconds left in the first round. If he makes it to the bell, who knows what might happen second round. But another slow start, and now a fifth loss in his last six fights. The only other fight, not a loss, as you mentioned on the radio with us yesterday, no contest. 
This is dark days for Cowboy Cerrone. The question is, should he now ride off into the sunset? I think he should ride off into the sunset. However, if because he does want one more fight, at least one more fight, I do say give him one more fight. For what he's done to the sport, for what he's done for the organization, I think that he does deserve one more chance because this was a fight that he did not want. He mm-hmm. did not want to go up to 170 and fight this kid. Yeah. He was doing it because he kind of had to because like that was the match that was made. But he wanted to fight Diego Sanchez right. at 170. He wants to fight at 155. I say give him a fight at 155, win or lose, he rides out into the sunset. So Dana has come out and said that, yes, he will get one more chance. He will have one more fight. He'll get to go down and wait to fight where he wants to be. Um, so it seems as though if Cowboy wins, well, then we can re-examine it. But if he doesn't, it is game over. Yeah, and I think that even if he wins, you know, that look in his face showed me he doesn't really want to be there. That look in his face showed me that, you know, he it's his identity to be a fighter, but he doesn't really want to fight. What did you see in his face that told you that? You could see you could see in his eyes like there's there's a look in a fighter's eyes when you know that they're done when you know that they don't want to be there no more and you could see that in his face in the middle of the fight like when he's like looking up like right after that first exchange when he took that shot and didn't commit to it you say I see it in his eyes I see it in his body language he just didn't want to be there no you know you said something on ESPN Saturday night when it was uh, like not not exactly pre-show but I guess leading up to an in between. I believe that's when you said, um, you know, walking out with your fighters as a coach and corner, you often know on the walk to the cage whether or not it's going to be your night or not. Mm -hmm. Elaborate on that, please. So, you know, like that walk is the most important part of the whole night, really, because that's where the energy comes, where you really sense that energy. And you can see it in the fighter's face. Like, are they there to do business? Are they there to work? Or are they just there to get get a check and get it over with? Mm -hmm. If they're there to get it over with, they're going to find a way to lose. And you can tell. And, and you see it a lot with fighters. And I think that was this case with Cowboy. He just found a way to lose. So when you saw Cowboy not on the walkout, but actually inside the cage when the bell rang and Moran went right at him, you thought to yourself, oh boy, this is not his night. He didn't come to fight. Yeah, because like I knew he wanted to get that fight to the ground. I think if he had gotten it to the ground, he may have been able to, to muster up some, of the, some courage to keep fighting. But the fact that he took that sloppy shot and didn't commit to it showed me that he didn't really want to be there and fight. So he's going to go down to 155 now, is that correct? Yes. And do you have any idea who they might put with him? I have no idea, but you know, knowing the UFC, they'll probably put somebody with him that he... <laughs> that he might be able to get a W? <laughs> I would or, hope, or, but or I thought well. it'd be the other way. I think because the UFC really doesn't like to do favors for guys in, right. in that sense. They're like, hey, listen, if you want to win, you got to win. It's up to you to win. It's not our job for you to win. But you do believe that sometimes they like to give a tough opponent because they want to send somebody out the door. Yes, they will definitely do that. Like when Paige Van Zandt I was, was just going to say yeah. to you, you and I talked about this you know, pre-podcast and when we did our daily radio at ESPN South Florida, um, you believed Paige Van Zandt got an opponent intentionally to send her out the door. Yeah, it was like, okay, you, you're leaving? Well, you know what? <laughs> let us help you out. Yeah, let, let us help you out with Amanda Hebus. <laughs> yeah, let us give you this, and yeah. then you won't have to worry about any tough decisions. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to make the decision for you. Yeah, they made it really clear for her. All right, let's move on then to round number three. We are breezing through today on this episode three, A Lover and a Fighter. Yeah, you're going to get to Houston early. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, good. Uh, biggest winner from Saturday night on that fight card, as it was. And remember, we didn't have the fight card rounded out by Wednesday. Thursday, all of a sudden, they had 12 fights, and then we had nine fights, and then we know how it played out. Who was your biggest winner from the fight card of Rodriguez versus Waterson last Saturday night? My biggest winner was Marina Rodriguez because she finally got the platform to show what she's capable of. I mean, here's a girl who's clearly very good, mm. but she didn't have the popularity to go along with that 
Now, Saturday night, she had a tough opponent, an opponent who would push her, an opponent who would allow her to use all her skills. So she got a chance to display that entirely Saturday night, and to me, she was the biggest winner. She had a, I mean, she had a dominant performance. Yes. For sure. So what stands in her way now from legitimacy as far as the title? You know, I think, there, I think that her skill set may come to a, a problem, though, because she's, she still needs work on the ground. And, and that was pretty clear. And I think that some of the, you know, the girl, like she's ranked number six now. So like, you know, the top five girls may be able to get her down and be able to do a little bit more control to her. Mm-hmm. So that I think that may be an issue. So she's got some work to do. You called in twenty early twenty or fifteen into sixteen. You were working with Amanda Nunez, uh, then at American Top Team. You were, and you told me you said, "Listen, she's going to be the greatest of all time." You saw in her something special, uh, not just of an era, but of all time. Yes. Right? There's generational, and yes. then there's all time. What do you see in uh, Rodriguez that you think? Well, people don't recognize she's better than this. Well, I think I think she's is still the best pure striker in the division. So that's going to be a problem for her because she she don't have the option to take Joanna down. So this is what I'm saying. This is where she's going to run into trouble stylistically and and tactically. She doesn't have a complete skill set. Now, striking-wise, if she clips any of those girls, this is a wrap for them. She can catch them and it's lights out. She can catch them and it's lights out. All righty, let's move on to UFC 262 this Saturday night, ESPN Plus pay-per-view. You will be there. You'll do the weigh-in show. We try and clarify that it's not the weigh-ins show because it's not Keenan Ivory (laughs) and Marlon. Not Damon and Marlon and Sean. Right, right. No, it's it's just you in D.C. That's close enough. (laughs) And then you got uh, Dan, Uh, Dan, Healy, right? uh, And then uh, Laura Sanko. Right. So you guys will be on the YouTube broadcast of the weigh-in show. And then you're going to do post-fight on Saturday, you said? No, I'm not doing post-fight. I'm doing in-fight analysis. analysis. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is your second consecutive pay-per-view that you are the voice of. You guys don't realize this. Hey, folks, if you'll notice this, you get to give that insight on Saturday night. I get to give that insight. They got me working. They're like, Dean, can you come back? People understand how difficult that is to do. I know you and I were texting about it the other day. Do people recognize how you have a short little window? They're throwing it to you. You've got to point something out that isn't obvious. You've got to point something out that the analyst just didn't point out. You've got to give a little secret tell, a little secret insight, almost predictive at times. And you've got a window to do it before the producer's in your ear going, wrap, wrap, wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, and, and also, too, is the fact that I'm not bouncing ideas off of anybody. Like, I'm sitting there watching these fights by myself, quiet, and now I got to, like, come up with something and then be able to articulate this. And where are you way. sitting? Because you're not sitting cage side, right? Well, I was sitting just right behind them this time. Okay. In the apex. All right. But during, uh, during the pay-per-view, I might be sitting cage side. Gotcha. For this Saturday night. Yeah. What are you looking most forward to this Saturday? Who are you looking most forward to? What are you looking for? For this card overall on t- on uh, Saturday night, uh, you know I'm looking. You know the Benil Dariush Tony Ferguson fight interests me because mm. I like where I like where Benil is right now, like where he's at in his life. I'm not really sure I like where Tony is. Sure, and I'd like to see Benil really kind of put it on him. So. Isn't it hard to know where Tony is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't Mentally, think anybody. Any, I don't think anybody really knows where he is. Does Tony know where Tony is? Uh, no, he does. He he's totally a fascinating does. character. Yeah. yeah, he is. But he's a he's a hard he's a hard dude to deal with. He, I, I would imagine yeah. he is. But that I think that I think that's going to be kind of one of the fights of the night because you know both guys are really skilled everywhere. But obviously the the championship fight, you know Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. Like the question is, can Michael Chandler pull it off? Did he get lucky against Dan Hooker? Like that's the question that everybody wants to know. It's coming from coming from a different organization, and now he's you know fighting for the UFC title after one fight. Yeah, let's pause on that for a second uh, because I'm glad you drew the comparison between the two. I see on the interwebs, the Instagrammers, uh, Tony Ferguson, they're saying, oh, 12, 14 fight, win streak, no title chance. Michael Chandler, one win, 
one title chance. It feels as though somebody's jumping the line here. Well, it's timing is everything. Mm-hmm. Timing is everything. He came in at the right time. Sure did. I mean, everybody knows who the, num- who the number one guy is, who the best guy in the division. That's Dustin Poirier. But Dustin is not interested in fighting for the title. He wants to fight Connor for the money. Right. So it leaves you with two guys. Charles Oliveira. It leaves you with three guys. Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, and Justin Gaethje. And Justin Gaethje kind of got screwed on it. So Okay, so let's get that real quick at Ferguson, then in Darush. You, you expect uh, Benil to put it on him. Yeah, I expect him to put it on him. And he's so skilled, so I'm looking forward to the display of mastery that he achieves. Tough to finish, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, he is. He, in that fight we watched last summer, was it Justin Gagey? Mm-hmm. He looked like he was the Terminator in Terminator 2. Yeah. Like he just couldn't he go hit, down, wouldn't go down. And just cut, coming back. You, you kept thinking that suddenly, like, you know, a cut would open and it would just be titanium underneath. <laughs> he felt like yeah, a right. cyborg. Yeah, it, I mean, he was like that. I mean, he's clearly one of the toughest guys in the UFC, probably yeah. of all time. But, um, you know, I think he's he's getting older. And when you get older, things change. Sure do. I think they're gonna we're gonna see that this weekend. All right, let's go right to main event. UFC 262 Saturday night ESPN Plus pay per view. You will be there live for the weigh in show, and then you'll do the in fight analysis, waiting on to be called on, so you can quick spit some knowledge at them and then wrap it up before they yell in your ear. Yeah, hurry it's, up, wrap it up. It's not easy to do. <laughs> no, it's not. It is Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler. You just spent significant time with Michael Chandler for your Dean's Diaries, which is on the UFC media platforms and on YouTube, where you talked about his family as an untraditional family, the adoption of his beautiful son, and how life functions as such in a society that views people oftentimes by color, and what are you guys doing, and how's this all work? Um, he is a good fighter. He has... That one win, as we mentioned, and he goes against a game opponent in this uh, in this title fight Saturday night for yeah, the for yeah. the vacancy. Yeah, Charles Oliveira is no joke, and he's got momentum behind him. I mean, he's won you know his last like nine fights in a row or so, and he's got a lot of momentum going behind him. And he's dangerous, and he's got experience. He's got like more fights than almost anybody in the UFC. So like you know, Michael Chandler's got a, a lot of work cut out for him. He's got he's got a a high mountain to climb here, but uh, but he's but you know he's he wrestled on the same team with with. Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren. So, like, he's he's been around the game for a while, so he knows he knows what's ahead of him. Oliveira, two-inch height advantage, but a three-inch reach advantage. Does that factor in for the Brazilian on Saturday night? Yeah, because he likes to fight long. I mean, mm-hmm. he likes to use his longer weapons. And so he's, he's a hard guy to fight because he likes to use those long weapons. And then if you do get inside and take him down, he's one of the most devastating finishers off of his back. So he's a dangerous guy. Give us a prediction then. We already got for the co-main. Give us a prediction for the main event, who and how. I'm going with Chandler by knockout. Really? Yes. Wow. I think, you know, when all when all said and done, everybody's weakness is pain. Mm-hmm. So getting hit changes. Well, most things. people. Yeah. I'm yeah. not sure for Ferguson, but yeah. he's not in this fight. But, but everybody <laughs> so their chin, so everybody's gotta everybody can't, you know, no one can take a, a good shot to the chin. Yeah. And Michael Chandler has been very accurate recently. You know, he, he goes to the body well, and he really attacks the chin. So the body work pays dividends, body, doesn't it? The body work catches up to you. Chopping down that tree. Yeah, and, it's, and Charles Oliveira stands pretty tall, mm-hmm. and his body is wide open. Yeah. So I think that Michael Chandler finds it. There you have it. Dean Thomas, he'll be on the telecast Friday morning, the UFC weigh-in show for 262 on YouTube. And then Saturday night on the pay-per-view, he will be your in-fight analyst, spitting little secrets and observations other people obviously aren't trained enough or skilled enough to recognize for themselves yeah i'm gonna I'm hook y'all up yeah. give y'all some nuggets and do you block my phone number when i text you during like do you just block my text no because i know your phone's still on but you just or you just, you just ignore me no Smart, that's a good I idea I don't, I don't keep my phone on i would I ignore turn it off i would ignore me no. if i was you 
Uh, that's Dean Thomas. Remember, subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends to do the same. You can rate and you can comment. We don't care. It's free. We don't get paid anyways. Yeah. Right? No. In the end, what difference does it make? For Dean Thomas, it's uh, Josh Cohen, a.k.a. Brother Love, saying thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. Maybe for episode four. Want to do a fourth? Let's do it. All right, we'll do it. it. The Lover and the Fighter podcast. So long, everybody.